Today is the 9th of May in 2022 and we now have this opportunity to meditate, develop samadhi, to bring firmness to our minds and to have sati, this mindfulness or recollection and sampajanya, this clear awareness, knowing the breath as it comes in and as it goes out. And when the Buddha awakened, became enlightened, he used this method of anapanasati. And that brought his heart to peace. So I could enter into first jhana, then second, third and fourth jhana. He then reflected and recollected back his, to his previous existences and also to the karma, the actions of beings, and how that brings them to rebirth, and how that, um, after they died, how that uh, allows the mind to take a new birth, and due to which karma beings get born in which place. And he knew that. And then he contemplated into dependent origination, and through that awakened and uh, through his own efforts. So this year, Visaka Puja, it is on the 15th of May. And in the suttas, the scriptures, it's recorded that the Bodhisattva Siddhartha, he was born on this day in between the cities of Kabilavatu and Devataha. And after he was born, he took seven steps. So if we talk in terms of Dhamma, what those seven steps means is that he went to teach the Dhamma to seven kingdoms after his awakening, both in India and in current-day Nepal. So where the Buddha was born in that time, it was under the governments of the Sakyan people. Uh, but now things have changed, and presently it's in Nepal. So this year, Visaka Puja um, is coming about soon, and it's a time that we recollect the virtues, the goodness of the Samasamputta, the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, and the Bodhisattva Siddhartha, was born. And right after his birth, he proclaimed that I am the most developed, I am the best, I am the most excellent in the human world, in the world of the devas, in the world of the brahmas. Or we could say in the realms of sensuality, the, formless, the form realm and the formless realm. And this was his last birth. His barami was complete already. Then after his awakening, he went to teach the general populace. And then, eventually, uh, passed away into final nibbana. And so it's not easy to have a bodhisattva with complete barami being born and awakening as the perfectly self-awakened Buddha. This is something that is extremely difficult to find. But we can count ourselves 
as being very meritorious or being very lucky that we have lots of Bharami that we're able to meet with his teachings to study the Dhamma of the Buddha. So perhaps we have sacrificed our own happiness before for the happiness of others. And an example of this that's very easy to see is that of our parents. They sacrifice their own personal happiness for that of their children. So they can look after them, take care of them, send them off to school. Until their children succeed in their studies and they're able to become self-reliant. And so we can understand just how difficult that is. But the Buddha, he saw how all beings are suffering. And he considered all of them to be his children. He wanted to help out all beings, all jittas, all minds, so that they could reach this freedom from suffering. So he set down this satcha aditana, this determination of truth, that he would cultivate his bharamis, the spiritual virtues. And he did that for an extremely long time. In the period of time before he received this prediction uh, was ten incalculable periods. And then after he received the protection, it was four incalculable periods and a hundred thousand eons. And that's the time that it took, an extremely long time. And if someone doesn't have a mind that is strong, that is resolute, they simply won't be able to do this. So while he was developing these baramis, he was born and died over and over again in the cycle of samsara, and each life that he went through there was much difficulty, much ardour, but he never retreated. So we can compare this journey that he took uh, to like someone walking, or was like the Buddha walked around the entire world one million times. And each step that he took, the ground was covered with thorns or covered with hot coals. But he kept on going until he died, and then was born anew right there, and then carried on walking. And he never stopped, just carried on stepping, until he reached his goal. So the kindness and compassion of the Buddha is boundless, is endless. We can't estimate it. And we come to praise these virtues, and this praising of the Buddha's virtues is very beneficial. In this day of Visakha, we circumambulate maybe a holy place in the monastery, or we can do that at home, recollecting the importance of this day. And perhaps we're generous in some way, we can take up the precepts by ourselves and then give a homage of practice towards the Buddha. We meditate for 30 minutes or maybe an hour. Or for those people who have the time, then they can meditate for five hours on this significant day, recollecting the great virtues of the Buddha, the kindness and compassion that he had towards all beings. And this gives us immense amount of benefit, of merit, the offering of a homage of practice towards the fully self-awakened Buddha. 
So we can offer our puja, our homage through our practice. You can also do this through offering flowers and candles and incense, and this too is a form of homage. But the higher form, in order to reach that, we need to practice, need to abandon all bad karma, and give rise to skillfulness and make the mind bright and pure. So on this one day, then we do that to the fullest of our efforts, recollecting also the wisdom of the Buddha, that he was able to gain this knowledge from his contemplation. He could see the Dhamma and see how things arise in dependence upon causes, and that there's no true self there. There's just a quality arising, and then due to that, another quality comes up. When ignorance arises, then there's craving and clinging, there's becoming and birth, and this is the process that leads to suffering. This is itta pachiyata. And whether a Buddha is awakened into this world or not, then this dependent origination is still there. It still exists, things still happen in this way that it's established in normality, that when there is something arising, then that becomes the cause for another thing to appear. So by offering our practice as homage, and we train these minds, giving rise to mindfulness and clear knowing, caring for our hearts, making them well established so that samadhi arises, and we have this faith, which is already very firm. We have faith already in the Buddha. And perhaps that's been there since we were children. Our parents took us to the monastery to do circumambulation, to bow to Buddha images. And we gained the understanding that that image is the Buddha. But as we grow up, we see that the Buddha really is the one who knows, the awakened one, the joyful one. That Prince Siddhartha awakens to become the fully self-awakened Buddha. And this Bodhisattva with full Bharami is able to awaken all by himself. And so we know this and we practice following his footsteps by abandoning all papa or bad kama, anything which isn't good through our acts of body and speech maintaining mindfulness, a sense of collection and restraint over actions of body and speech. Because the normal state of beings is that usually they're not very restrained, they're not composed. They just allow their minds to think about all kinds of things and then speak and act in all kinds of ways. And this gives rise to a lot of confusion and chaos in our lives. It gives rise to heat, and agitation, arguments. And we speak in ways which aren't good, which are devoid of kindness. There's no metta for one another. And sometimes we may just be you know, tricking another person, but still that can give rise to suffering in their hearts. So we need to be cautious. We need to have mindfulness. We need to have this clear awareness when we're acting, when we're speaking. We make sure these actions are good, 
And that there is homage towards the Buddha. But if we don't see the danger in the mind which is stirred up, then this brings us many problems. There'll be lots of fear within the heart, a lot of delusion there, a mind filled with love and hate, and great delusion. There's greed, hatred and delusion appearing within the mind, and these are the roots of all unskillful deeds and all suffering. So the Buddha cautioned us, reminded us, that we need to train these minds and do that well. And through this practice, then, we gain great benefit for ourselves. So the Buddha saw how beings are yet to be freed from suffering, but he wished that for them, that they could get free from dukkha. And so he taught, and we should follow these teachings that he gave to us. And how do we follow them? Well, there's the path of dana, sila, bhavana, of generosity, virtue, and mental cultivation. Or sila, samadhi, panya, of virtue, collectedness of mind and of wisdom. So what this wisdom means is an all-round, comprehensive knowledge in two sankharas, conditioned phenomena, in line with their truth, seeing them for what they actually are. All physical and mental phenomena, seeing them as being impermanent and stressful and not self. Seeing how form is anatta, is not self, as form is emptiness. And if form is emptiness, then emptiness is form. Vedana feelings, they are empty, and emptiness are feelings. Memory is empty, and emptiness is memory. These mental formations are emptiness. Emptiness is mental formations. And vijnana, sense consciousness, is emptiness. And emptiness is sense consciousness. So the five kandhas are empty, and emptiness is the five kandhas. And all things are Buddha. All things are anatta, are not self. And Buddha, this nature of awakening, is there within all things. But it's just our minds, they don't see things in this way. They understand in terms of self, seeing a self within all these things. But the Buddha had great wisdom. He was able to awaken and make his mind pure. And there was no delusion whatsoever there within his heart. He completely, permanently destroyed all ignorance. But sometimes Umpucha could explain this in terms of Dhamma, use the language of Dhamma. Then normally we say that the Buddha destroyed the defilements. But Umpucha had said that when the Buddha gained knowledge within his heart, it was that the defilements could hold no sway, they couldn't affect his mind. So we should give rise to this as well, give rise to knowledge. And we do that through walking this path of sila, samadhi and banya, so that we can see clearly into the true nature of all physical and mental things, and how they really are impermanent and stressful and not self. And then this Buddha nature appears within our own hearts, and we see the Dhamma. The Buddha said, Whoever sees the Dhamma 
sees the Tathagata, sees the Buddha. So the faith that we have, this belief, conviction that we have, becomes firm. And maybe some wisdom arises as well. And then we see clearly by ourselves. And this is Pachatang, Veditabu, when you hear. It's there to be clearly known for oneself. And when we reach this state, um, then the mind becomes uh, supatipanna, well-practiced, ujupatipanna, practiced directly or uprightly, jnana patipanna, practiced insightfully, and samichi patipanna, practiced with integrity. And this can arise within the minds of lay people or monastics, can arise within the minds of the young or the elderly, within the hearts of all beings. Normally we talk about uh, monks in terms of conventions, but this is the heart of a true monk, a monk that uh, has been liberated. Remember of the Sangha who is liberated, which means that we've seen the Dhamma of the fully self-awakened Buddha. So we offer a homage of practice towards the Buddha until we see the Dhamma within our own hearts and our faith becomes well established. And we do that on this day of Visakha Puja, turning up the faith, increasing the efforts that we have on this day. And so we get the feeling that on this day we need to really set our hearts on studying the Dhamma, on practicing the Dhamma and setting our minds on training ourselves, bringing the mind together, using mindfulness and clear awareness to look after the mind until it reaches peace. We can do that through being aware of the breath as it comes and goes, reciting Bud on the in-breath, Do on the out-breath, until the heart reaches into peace, and both the body and the mind feel very buoyant and light. And then the faith that we have in our practice grows and grows. The faith in bhavana and mental cultivation grows. And we don't have to control or force ourselves to practice anymore. And when we practice consistently and evenly, then we'll gain an understanding into the Dhamma. Our faith becomes firm and unshakable. Achara sata. So we practice like this as an offering on this important day the day that the Buddha was born, was awakened, and went into final Nibbāna. But if we're going to speak about the, these events in terms of the language of Dhamma, we say that the Buddha, or this birth of the Buddha, that happened within the heart. If we're talking about the birth of the physical body, well then the Bodhisattva was born on that day into that body, but in terms of Dhamma, then the Buddha was born as a Buddha in his heart. Uh, he awakened on that day, he was enlightened on that day. And also there were no more defilements left within his heart. And so that's his Parinibbana, and that's the complete passing into Nibbana, this purity of mind. And that happened within his own heart. If we talk about it in terms of his physical body, 
then he was born and 35 years later he awakened to the Dhamma and then he taught and in another 45 years he passed away into final Nibbana. But if we talk about it in terms of the inner events and that that birth, the awakening and that Paranibbana, these all happened within his heart. And so we should contemplate this in terms of the language of the Dhamma, and the birth of the Buddha, his awakening, his final Nibbāna. And even on the last day, just before his passing, he gave a final teaching, which is to not be heedless. And that all the Dhammas that he taught can be condensed into this one teaching, uh, to be heedful. So may you contemplate this, contemplate the awakening of the fully self-awakened Buddha, and that even though he had such great barami, even though he was enlightened, still his body had to break apart, and that's just a normal event. And this normality is something that we should all contemplate well, and set this down for ourselves, that no matter what arises within our lives, whether we gain things, whether we lose things, we see all of that as being normal. That birth is normal, staying on and growing older is normal, death is normal. But if our minds are attached to these things, then whatever it is that we enjoy, that we like, we want that to stay forever. The things that we don't like, we want that to just go away. And what that shows is that we don't understand this truth of normality. So we should all contemplate this, contemplate into normality. And if we see that clearly, then we see the Dhamma. So this year, Visakha Puja falls on the 15th of May. And this is a good opportunity that we have to cultivate merit. And we're all very fortunate that we still have life. Our lives have lasted to this point. So may we all try to study the Dhamma, to practice the Dhamma as our offering of homage. And this is the highest merit. It brings great benefit, great goodness to our hearts. So may all of you grow in the Dhamma May you all meet with success. May you all be firm on this path of generosity, virtue, and meditation, or sila samadhi panya, or virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. And may you all grow in blessings.